Good evening. Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to begin with hymn number 46, O Worship the King. Let's stand, please, as we praise our Lord. You may be seated. What a great hymn this is and a tremendous theme and line. We know that the Lord is not just the one who has made us and created us out of nothing, but He has called us in salvation. And we know that the Spirit of God brought us to faith in Christ. And we know today that we are alive in Him. We have been forgiven of our sin. And therefore, we know we have a home in heaven we're going home to one day soon. And in the midst of all that this world offers and all of the problems that it presents to us on a daily basis, there is great peace and joy and the hope of knowing that because Christ is alive today, we live in Him. And that's a great possession that every believer has so let's rejoice in that tonight and give thanks to Him. We'll bow, please, before the Lord in prayer now. Our loving Father, at the very commencement of this service tonight, we pray for the help of the Spirit of God in every part, every aspect of this meeting. 
Come, Lord, very near to us and help us in our worship. Help us in our praying. Help us, O God, as we read the Scripture and give the sense thereof that there would be understanding and application by the Spirit of God to our lives. Dear Lord, of ourselves, we cannot draw from the great and deep well of the Word, but we know that the Spirit of God takes these precious things, these great, exceeding, great and precious promises, and writes them upon our hearts, revealing the splendor and the wonder of our Redeemer. So, Lord, tonight we pray that we will know, be very conscious of the Spirit of the Lord working in our hearts, applying the truth to our souls exactly in the place, Lord, where we need it. We're asking this tonight. Come, Lord, to our aid. You know the specific details of every heart, the need of every family. And Father, what joy we have of coming to commit our ways unto the God of heaven, to cast all our burdens upon Him. For Lord, You hear us, and we are thankful for this great truth tonight. What a possession that we have in Christ. Lord, we know that You are our Maker, our Defender, our Redeemer, our Friend. And, O God, tonight, as we bow humbly in our Savior's worthy name, we approach only on the ground of His merit and the precious shed blood of Calvary. We have no other argument. We have no other plea. But it is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. Lord, this is our entrance into glory. This is our hope for eternity. We cannot atone, Lord, for any of our sins. If it was left up to us, Father, in any degree, we would be lost. But how thankful we can be tonight that we are loved with an everlasting love, and we have been led by grace, that love to know And so, blessed Holy Spirit, teach us something new tonight. Lord, I am asking for the Word to be written on my soul. I am praying for that divine light upon the Scripture and into my heart. Lord, help me to be tonight as Your messenger in the Word of God to bring just that Word in season. Thankful, Lord, for the time of prayer this afternoon, for everyone who was gathered online, for all the intercession that was poured out and offered in Christ's name. Lord, hear our prayers. We know that they are heard. We're asking for speedy answers. We're asking, Lord, for answers that are not for ourselves or because of our own desires, but only for the glory of Thy holy name. 
only for the honor of Jesus, only, Lord, for the extension of Your kingdom. Hear our prayer tonight. Our land, our nation of Canada is in great need. O Father, hear our prayers. Come urgently, Lord, and turn back the forces of wickedness in our land. Father, we pray that the attempts of the devil to overturn righteousness and truth and morality and everything to do with the Scriptures, that, Lord, he would be defeated. Strengthen the hearts of every faithful follower of Christ. Strengthen the believer across this nation. Lord, we pray for every faithful minister of the gospel that is proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Jesus. Bless them. Prosper their ministry. Bring in many souls into the kingdom. Lord, make use of, of this fellowship, of our church. We want to be used, Lord. And we're praying that we will come to devote ourselves, to rededicate ourselves on the altar of sacrifice for service, which is our reasonable service, Lord. Come and make use of us. We want to be soul winners. We want to be those who are able to disciple others in the way of righteousness and truth. We want, O oh Lord, that our voice will not be stifled. We will not be overcome with the fear of man. For, Lord, surely... If we have beheld the face of our Redeemer by faith and we know Him in our heart, then we will be advanced. We'll be able to go forward, not fearing the face of clay. Dear God, strengthen us with might in the inner man. Equip us to hold the shield of faith firmly. Help us to grip the sword of the Spirit. Help us to have on all the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, our loins surrounded with truth. Father, hear our prayer tonight. We think of those who are the youngest members of this fellowship. Bless the children. Watch over them. Protect them from the vices of this present evil world. Save them at an early age. We think of our young people, young adults. Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon them and lead them forward in their lives. Some are seeking for a mate in life, husband or wife. Lord, bless them. Direct them unmistakably. Lead them forward. Career education, service in the kingdom of Christ. Father, bless them, we pray. How thankful we are for the deacons that you have given to us in our congregation and for the solemn time, Lord, this morning of committing them, their lives, their families into your work. Bless these men abundantly. Pour out your Spirit upon their families. Save their children. We pray also for those who are elders in our congregation. Lord, bless them as well. Protect them all, every family. 
Father, we are very thankful for keeping us all safe yesterday in the storm. And as there are some who are trying to manage their way through difficulties without power and other problems, Lord, we do remember the families today of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones suddenly taken from them in a very sudden storm. O oh God, I pray that at such a time as this, families would seek Your name. They would come to rest upon the living God. Lord, give help to them in such a time as this. We realize, Lord, how vulnerable we are, how fragile life is. One moment things are all good and going along smoothly, and the next everything is turned upside down. Oh God, hear our prayer. Help us to be ready. We don't know what a day brings forth. But oh God, our lives, our footsteps are in Your hand, and we are very thankful and happy, Lord, to leave them there. So hear us tonight. Draw near, encourage our hearts. Strengthen us now in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Let us sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. Uh, number 44 will stand, ye servants of God. And you may be seated. What a great hymn writer Charles Wesley was, certainly a man of God. And it's one of those situations where just about every time you read or sing a hymn that was penned by 
this mighty man of God. Well, you're blessed because as he penned these words, they are founded upon the Scripture. They're written based on the Word of the Lord. And therefore, we can sing them with joy. And what a hymn this is to give praise and exaltation to our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless these words as we've been singing and unto Him. We're going to read in our Bibles tonight from the book of Romans, chapter 12. The book of Romans, chapter 12. This will tie in, I believe, with the study we want to continue tonight in the book of Daniel. It is all to do with worship. And so as the Apostle is dealing with this in the application of the theology of Romans, he says in chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, without pretense or deceit. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil, 
provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I suppose if we could put a title over this chapter, it would be Christianity 101. There is such important practical instruction here, and something that is there for all of us without any doubt at all. Verse 14 says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Now, this applies in every situation of life. It certainly applies when we're driving, when someone cuts you off, when someone does something that would perhaps raise a little bit of the ire in your spirit, and the sense would come back to say something or maybe point a finger at the other driver. Well, it's a case like that that we all need to take a deep breath and learn the lesson of this Scripture to bless and curse not, even in heart or spirit in those situations. Well, there are so many times in just the everyday issues of life, things that can annoy us, little things that seem to get in. Well, let's be careful that we have the Spirit of Christ about us at all times, because in so doing, we will bear a testimony for the Lord. And it's not about us anyways, you know. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And we cannot forget that in our, in our hearts. May the Lord bless His Word to us tonight. Welcome to our evening service. We're very good, glad to have you tonight. If you're here with us for the first time, or maybe you've come back again you're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. We pray that you'll be encouraged in the Lord. And if you're new, you could sign our guest book when you're going out. Be sure to make yourself known to us, and we'll be, want to very happily welcome you in our gathering. We want to remember those folks that have been affected by that sudden storm yesterday, some in our congregation still without power, but thankfully, there were no personal injuries, some injury to do with um, goods or materials, but they can be dealt with and replaced. But we do want to remember the families of those that lost their lives yesterday. And I think the number is up around seven people at this time, and that's most serious. And so we remember those families that are grieving before the Lord at this time. And if someone in the congregation needs help, or if you know someone, immediately speak to us and we'll see what we can do to provide uh, some aid at this time. This morning we had the dedication 
rededication of our deacons. Last Wednesday at our annual general meeting, we had the election of seven deacons to the next term of office, and two new men were added to that roster, and we went through a very important time this morning of reading some questions for them to answer just to declare publicly their commitment to the Word of God and their commitment to the calling that God has given to them here in this ministry. And then we were able to pray for all of these men that God would watch over them and bless them very specifically in the next years that they will be serving in this place. We also thank God greatly because at the annual general meeting we heard several different reports of our ministries and thanking God for how He has provided for us for this congregation. And the financial reports, there are some on the tables at the back. You're welcome to take one with you. And we just rejoice and thank God for the increase and the blessing He has given to us, supplying our needs in all of our ministries. We're thankful for the ministry of Whitfield, the blessing that it has been to this congregation, to many other people who have been able to send their children there. Please continue in prayer for that vital work that God would bless and supply the need every single day. We had a prayer time this afternoon for our churches across Canada, and we've been calling this our national time of prayer, and we've done this every couple of months, and thank you for coming and for the prayers. It was a blessed time. Again, we heard a good devotional study from Reverend Gulliher, and we appreciate that very much, and he was bringing us back to that psalm and that scripture, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And there was a good challenge for bringing us as God's people to the place of prayer, calling upon the Lord to seek Him in these days. And that is exactly what we must do. Remember, please, the meetings this incoming week. On Tuesday afternoon, we have the Whitfield Advisory Committee meeting at 4 o'clock, and uh, that will be uh, on Zoom. And then also on Wednesday evening, we have a very special missionary uh, prayer meeting this week, and Mr. John Kelly, who has just graduated from our uh, seminary, he will be speaking to us over Zoom on his burden for pioneering a work in the New England states. And so we're looking forward to that, and uh, do come along and be prepared to give an offering uh, as the Lord leads you uh, to go toward our brother's work and ministry. Next Lord's Day, our service is at the regular time for Sunday school at 9.55, and then our morning service at 11, and of course the evening one at 6.30. A couple of advanced things to think about. Next Lord's Day also will be a memorial service for Mrs. Maslin Campbell and her, her daughter Beverly has been organizing this, and so we want to be praying for that service. It'll be four o'clock, Lord's Day afternoon, and it will give you time, uh, of course, to get ready for the evening service here as well. Then there will be a fellowship time after the evening service next Lord's Day evening, being the last uh, Sunday of the month. 
We want to recommence these times. They've always been a blessing. We've missed them very much over all the COVID times. We want to get back into that again and remember that next Lord's Day evening. And then on July the 1st, Canada Day, we're going to be having a, a church family barbecue, and that will start at 5 p.m., and it will run to dark. And there will be some fireworks that will set off in the field as well. We want to have this time of fellowship, so lunch will be provided, and you don't have to do anything but just bring yourself and bring an appetite, and we'll be sure that we have a good time of fellowship together on July the 1st. We'll sing again to the Lord's praise, number 464, remaining seated while we sing. Singing, you're singing well tonight in all of the hymns, but you're going to sing better when you stand. So we're going to do this last verse. Everyone standing nearer, still nearer, while life shall last, till safe in glory my anchor is cast through endless ages, ever to be nearer my Savior, still nearer to Thee.
Please turn tonight to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And as you're turning up there, we have been praying a lot for the believers, the Christians in the Ukraine, and in ways in which we might be able to help them, of course, seeking the Lord on that account. And we also shared with you the work that's going on in the Balamani Church and how they have taken in uh, several of these refugees overseas. And perhaps you've been wondering if you could help financially in some way, and if you felt or wanted to mark that on your envelope, your church envelope, and just put it on it, Ukraine refugees, uh, we will endeavor to direct those funds in some way that we might help them, whether uh, directly to the work over in Balamani or in, in another um, uh, avenue that we would be confident would be to help them in some way. Daniel chapter 3, we're reading the first seven verses. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. We'll bow, please, for prayer. 
Father, as we come now to the Word, this inspired record of events, we pray, Lord, that we will be able to understand clearly, and it will be made crystal clear to us the implications of what transpired in that time of history, and how, Lord, we can learn important lessons and have the application by the Spirit of God to our own hearts and lives as we are here in this year, in this time period. I pray that the Bible will always be alive to us and that we will never marginalize or try to compartmentalize something to another time period and say, well, that does not apply to us. Help us, Lord, to always be open and ready to receive instruction to our lives. Lead us, Lord, we pray. As believers, we want to be faithful in our worship of the living and true God. And Father, we know that as You have created us, You have called us in Christ. We have been saved by that sovereign and matchless grace, and we know tonight it is well with our souls because our sins have been forgiven. And we come, Lord, tonight without apology, without embarrassment, to say that we worship the living God, we worship our Lord Jesus Christ, and we want, Lord, that our lives will reflect His beauty. Hear our prayer tonight. Give me strength, Lord, I pray. Give me divine understanding. I pray for the Spirit's help. And I pray that everyone here in the service and listening online tonight would be blessed by the Word of God. Hear our prayers. We ask all these things tonight in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, the context that we have read have made it very, very clear that the subject before us is about the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up in order to be worshipped. The God of heaven showed to this king via a dream what was going to happen in the future. That is, beginning with Babylon and working through all the empires that were following after him, the major world empires, leading down to the time of Messiah. And then, right to the end of time, the inability of the magicians and the wise men of Babylon to reveal the dream and the interpretation of it, well, it led to a rather rash edict 
to kill them all. Nebuchadnezzar said, wipe them all out. We will start over again and find new ones. And of course, this brought Daniel and his three companions in the forefront because they were also included in that edict. But isn't it interesting how that, as God says, the wrath of man will be brought to praise him. And the wrath of this heathen king was used by a sovereign God to bring Daniel and his companions to the forefront in human history. And having brought them to the forefront, they would be raised to a place of authority, center stage, as we could call it. After Daniel and his friends heard about this edict, Daniel called them, and they immediately went to prayer. They got before God, and they sought His face for help. They were in a time of need. And in that time of need, they went to the Lord, and He heard their prayer. As Daniel went before Nebuchadnezzar, and began to unfold that dream. And he told him the interpretation of that dream. I think you can see in your mind's eye that the jaw of Nebuchadnezzar hit the ground. He was shocked. He was so shocked that at one time he was prepared to say, let them all die. Now he has come to say, of a truth, it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. He has revealed the secret of the heart of a man that no man could reveal. It could not be known by anyone or any power apart from divine revelation. And the outcome of this was a very speedy promotion of these Jews from slavery to the oversight of business in Babylon. The opening of chapter 3 gives us a new chapter and a new era, it seems, where it gives us the ploy of Satan to expand his kingdom, the kingdom of idolatry, and ultimately, don't forget this, ultimately to target the faithful men of God. You see, behind every attempt that Satan has to do something in this world, it is not just to do something. It is not just to make the ungodly great, but it is to destroy the faithful, to undermine the church of Jesus Christ. That's what he is all about. And this came at this juncture by putting it in the mind of this heathen king to make an image of gold. The size and composition meant that it would have taken considerable time to build. Though we do not know how many years 
that would have been from the time Daniel and his friends were exalted to a high place in Babylon. We are not told it was an image of a man. It simply says that Nebuchadnezzar commanded that an image would be made. And yet I think it's not unreasonable to assume that the inspiration for Nebuchadnezzar to build an image of such magnitude would have come from the dream that he had and that was interpreted to him. Yes, he was the head of gold in that dream, but I don't imagine he would be too quibbling about details as he saw himself and an opportunity to be exalted and to be set forward and even worshipped. Some would ask, well, if, he, if it was a direct image to do with the dream, why would he not have made the breast of silver and the hips and thigh of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay? Why would he not have made it exactly that way? Well, surely that wouldn't have concerned him altogether too much. He was looking to see the exaltation of himself in Babylon in his lifetime, in his day. On the other hand, some commentators, as Merrill in his Bible dictionary, suggest it was a representation of Nebuchadnezzar's patron god, Bel Merodach. Well, whatever is the purpose of this image, it was to be worshipped. The size of the image, we're told it was 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And also, that poses some questions. If a cubit would be taken for 18 inches, which is a standard cubit measurement of that time, then the image was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. 90 feet tall. From the floor of this church to the very peak of those lights, about 45 feet. So more than twice the height of the church building was this image, but only 9 feet wide. It was grossly out of proportion. This has led some folks to suggest, some commentators, that it was more of an obelisk than it was a statue. However, numerous historians propose that it was built on a very large pedestal, which could make the proportions more representative of a man. It was set up in the plain of Dura. And again, we are not told historically or otherwise where that is, though some, some of ex excavations have been done that have led men to believe that this plain of Dura, specifically about six miles or so outside the gates or the town city of Babylon, because it was a suitable place for a large gathering of people, 
in this particular plane. As we consider this image tonight of Nebuchadnezzar and the forced worship that was surrounding it, there are some lessons that we can learn about false and compromised worship and the pressure upon people today to conform to whatever society demands. So, as we think about that tonight, I want you to consider in the first thought some more of the details about this image. What about its composition? Well, we are told that it was made of gold, the most precious metal known to man. And being made out of gold, it certainly speaks about the wealth of the Babylonian Empire. And historically, there was no doubt about the wealth of that world empire that had defeated all others and possessed the wealth of nations. And the gold standard that Babylon had it would have been exemplified in no greater way than for the king of the empire, who himself was the head of gold, but now would make a statue, an image that would be entirely of gold. What message would that convey to all of his empire and to the nations that he had defeated? It would be this, we are number one. There is no one else that is bigger, stronger, mightier, or wealthier than we are. He made the image of gold. It is unlikely that the image itself would have been solid gold, and most commentators say that it was likely a structure made of wood and then overlaid with gold. And we find that in the Scripture itself, we were thinking about the Ark of the Covenant this morning, and God commanded that the Ark of the Covenant would be made of wood and then it would be overlaid with gold. And so some of those pieces that we have in the tabernacle give a little bit of hint along that line. Solid gold. Or was it just overlaid with gold? Whatever is the case here, there is no doubt that the, the magnitude of this image and the fact that it had gold, it would have presented an amazing message. And you think about that message of its opulence. Obvious, its construction and components, it was put together to dazzle the eyes of the citizens, both great and small. Everyone who would have been involved in the construction of that image Certainly every time they would have hammered out a sheet of gold or they would have been at the foundry pouring gold, how much gold would have been taken to make such an image 
the people who were involved in its construction would have been overwhelmed by the opulence of such a structure. Surely they would have concluded this has great importance. There must be something vital behind this and the reasoning for making such a thing. The opulence of it, it would have been not only in the construction process, but you think of its completion. And when they finally erected this image on its pedestal, it would have been impressive beyond our description of impression. It was meant to do that. Nebuchadnezzar intended that this image that he made, it was going to be one that you would stand and look at and be just awestruck at the greatness of it. And perhaps one of the reasons why people would have more easily bowed the knee before such an image, the greatness that the king had intended to portray through it was to show the greatness of the king himself, or so he thought about his greatness. You know, my friends, when we think of the devil and his work, the devil usually makes stuff that turns heads. He is good at doing that. He is good at putting together things that glitter, things that have pomp, things that, well, much of the world would so quickly turn and follow after. The devil doesn't make stuff so much out of brass or clay, at least on the surface, but he presents that which is going to distract people from the living and true God. He is going to make something that entertains people as they are going on the road to a lost eternity. And the devil is good at what he does. He is very good at making things that are drawing people farther and farther away from the living and the true God to the false God and the false gods of this world. Well, we've heard that saying before, not all that glitters is gold. But we can also say, nor is all the glittering gold of lasting value. Where, friend, tonight are you placing your hope for eternity? Where are you setting your foundation on of your soul? Is it upon that which is no foundation that the devil has prepared? Oh, it might look good, friend. You're watching online tonight. I don't know your soul. I don't know the state of your heart. But I say this to you solemnly. The devil intends to make things that are going to attract 
your attention, to draw you away from God, away from Christ. And He is intent on destroying your soul in hell forever. It's a solemn thought, friend. And there are many people who have sold their soul to the devil, and he has made them rich. He has made them filthy rich. He has given them all the gold that they could ever have imagined. And what are they doing with all their wealth? They are forwarding the kingdom of Satan. What is it, friends, today that captures our attention? And this perhaps is where we as Christians need to take a word of rebuke, don't we? Because I know we are, we are in the world. We are just flesh and blood. We are human beings. And there is a danger that you and I can be distracted from the purpose and the calling that God has placed on us by the things of this world and by the things that get our attention. Let us beware. Let us be certain that we always keep our Savior in the very center of our minds and hearts. That we will not live like hermits. We're not to be those who cloister themselves and in some sort of monastery, a way thinking that's going to escape the things of this world. No, we are in this world. But let's follow what the Lord Jesus said. We are not to be of this world. And if God has blessed you with a healthy bank account, rejoice and give thanks for that. But be sure that we know that all the resources and all the blessings and that which God has blessed us with it's not to be used just so that we can be consumed with it, but so that we can be useful and good stewards of that which God has blessed us with. Did not our Savior say to us, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal? Thieves are all around us. I shared with you on Wednesday night, our brother Newell doing some work on the new gates we're installing at the front here, and thieves broke into his locked storage cabinet, stole several things, tried to steal the tractor he had outside, did some damage to that as well. Thankfully, they were not able to take that, though they did steal some other things. But when we get to glory... There'll be no need for locks and bolts and doors anymore in heaven because there will be no more thieving then. Yes, we think as we consider tonight something about the composition of this image and its opulence, what about its dedication? We noticed in verse number 2 of Daniel 3, when it mentions those who were called to it, it mentions very specifically that they were to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. 
This was an occasion to gather the public. Obviously, dedication services, according to this Scripture, they are not new. Now we go back in the Scripture and we find that the Lord is the one who really initiated the idea of dedication of holy things, and that's good. There are times of very good and healthy dedications, and we rejoice in those. The temple in Solomon's day was dedicated unto God, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon and filled the temple, and that no priest and no person was able to enter into worship. We enjoy the times we have had in our own congregation of dedicating our school unto the Lord. We have dedication services that we did this morning to, again, dedicate our deacons. Uh, these are blessed times, and these are good and spiritual and biblical times. But do you know it was also not uncommon for heathen nations to dedicate their shrines and their temples to their gods? A significant time when this happened was in the days of Samson. The Philistines had gathered together, and they were in the temple of their god Dagon. Now, do you remember what had happened when the Ark of the Covenant in the days of the judges had been removed from Israel and taken by the Philistines, and they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of their god Dagon. And they came back the next morning, and the god had fallen over Dagon, this statue, and they set him back up the next day. The next day he fell over again. The head was broken. The hands were broken off. But somehow they got out the glue, and they put them all back together like Humpty Dumpty, and they're ready for another turn at this. And Samson comes on the scene now, and of course, he had been humiliated, lost his strength, his eyes had been put out. He was in the prison grinding, but his hair started to grow again. And so as he was led out by a young lad into this great dedication and worship services that all the lords of the Philistines were having, and there is Samson, can't see a thing, blind. But God gave him one final day. And Samson brought that temple down. And there were more slain in the death of Samson than through all of his life. But that was a dedication service never to be forgotten unto the god Dagon. So it was here in Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar used this opportunity through the dedication of this image to, to drink in the moment, to drink in the power. And something further, he used this to hopefully tighten the grip that he had upon the people. Is this not today, friend, as it has been in every day, the same working of the devil who has tried in every age to find a rallying point, something to draw the people of the world together, drawing them together in order to revel, to party, to indulge, to intoxicate themselves with personalities and 
with the accomplishments of movie stars and sports figures, the Hollywood Entertainment Awards, great sporting events like FIFA, or how about Stanley, and all the people glory in the abilities of man. And I say to you, friends, that very often many of those things have the purpose of distracting the people away from the glory of God. Let us all beware. We can enjoy sports. We, we can enjoy the accomplishments that men have made. But let us be very careful, friends, that we do not deify these sports figures. Let's be very careful that we don't become so googly-eyed at some movie star that we forget the debauched life. We forget that the whole intent of their life is to glory in themselves and to glory in the God of this world. And the influences that are upon Christians, we must be so, so very careful in our day. Beware, friends, that you're not taken in by that. That's what the devil was doing through Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was going to bask in all the glory of this, but he was only a pawn in the game. Oh, he thought he was a great man, the greatest ruler that had ever lived, but he was only being moved by the devil at his will at that particular time. I want to move on in our study tonight and look at the, the people who were invited to this dedication service. Verse 2 tells us and gives us a list of these dignitaries. They were the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces. Now, that is quite a list. It doesn't seem that anyone was left out. Nebuchadnezzar was very clear that he wanted these representatives of the people. And it's not fully clear that when it talks later on about all the people's coming, it would not have been reasonable to assume that in all of the empire that all the peoples made their way there, but perhaps there was representative of these peoples who came. But it was certainly all-inclusive, and I would assure you that the city of Babylon, and perhaps in the reference to all the peoples, that the whole city would have gone out virtually to the time of this worship period. Is this not how the devil uses and looks at 
the peoples and the governments and the organizers and the peoples of this world and those who are involved in the education system, those who are involved in governments. And Satan will make use of as many as possible as he possibly can, and he invites everyone to his party. As Christians, we must be very, very aware of these ploys. And we must be very watchful at the background maneuverings and the dealings that are going on behind the scenes. Because when these things are put to the forefront, it makes it very clear that the construction and the purpose that the devil has in bringing about his purposes and his ways, he will make use of the structures of this world. It's not really a surprise to us because he is the God of this world. And in his control, much of the governments of this world in a lower stage. Now we know and trust in a sovereign God who is over all things. But we also realize that the devil's kingdom and his work is very, very active. Let us be very careful, friends, as we look at this world, that we don't look at it with deceived eyes, that we are not taken in, but we understand and know that all that goes on in this world, and generally speaking, no friend to Christianity, let's not be surprised about that. But let us redouble our efforts as believers to be in prayer for those, as God has commanded us in the very book of Romans, to be in prayer for those that are in authority over us, that we might lead a godly and peaceable life in all honesty. I want you to think with me thirdly about the command that was given to worship. We find this in verse 4. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the musical instruments, that ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Now this is fascinating. We now come to the real purpose that's being made known. This was no ordinary dedication service. This was a call for nationwide worship. This was a call from the highest office of the land to come and to bow down whether or not the people did this willingly was up to them. But worship they must do, at least in bodily form. They must come, they must bow down before this image. It is notable 
that it was at the sound of music. Here was an orchestra, and without doubt, I suggest to you it was played with expertise, the winsome sound. For what purpose? Well, maybe it had some purpose to hypnotize or at least give the right mood to worship. Music is very powerful. It has a powerful influence on the mind and the heart. And much study has been invested in the power of music to manipulate moods and attitudes from buying and selling to calming a crowd to preparing an army for battle. And it's not by mistake that this leverage was used here. This leverage Is it not the same, my dear friends, in our day, that music has such a powerful influence for good and for evil? And that brings us all face to face with the caution. Beware, friend, how music is influencing you today. Beware, my dear friends, what music you are listening to. Beware what is soothing your mind or what is influencing your actions. For a believer, for Christians, we must be aware and very open to the potential impact that music will have upon us. And we certainly have to be aware to flee from the worldly forms of music that are poisonous to the Christian heart. The devil is the one who is behind the music that draws out the worship of this world. Much study has gone into investigating and the Christian point of view, from the Christian point of view, of all the genres of music. And you can go across the whole category from rock and roll to jazz to rap music to the stuff that's going on today to the more advanced types of music, people would say, the classical roles, marching music. These things have an impact upon the mind. They have an impact upon the soul. And as Christians, we must not be ignorant of the power that this has upon us, to be very, very much aware. And believer, and perhaps the younger folks today, the young adults, a word of caution for you. Beware, friends. I caution you what you are feeding your mind and your soul with. What influences you are allowing to come into your mind, into your heart, because that open conduit of music, it has so much more 
power over us, over you, than you think. And the subtleties of it, and sometimes those things that are not so subtle, that are head-on, full frontal value of the impact of satanic intention and purpose. Ah, my dear friends, beware of that. My young Christian friends, beware of that today. Those things that you are allowing to come in, because in this context, the purpose that Nebuchadnezzar had, ultimately the purpose that Satan had behind this was to use and manipulate the people through the medium of music. And that was drawing them to worship. And we know that that worship was not the worship of God. Be careful, friends, that even in your choice of religious music, be careful that you are making use of that which glorifies God and is for the refreshment of your spirit and is not simply an excuse of drawing out toward, let's just say, on the worldly side of those types or styles or influences of music that really glorify the performer more than they glorify God. That sensual style of music that draws out the feelings and the emotions where at the same time it's used in the world to do the very same thing. Be careful. Be watchful. Pray that God will give you a discerning spirit so that we will not be at all drawn into that way of the devil. We'll notice something very interesting here. And it is in the fourth place the penalty for non-compliance. Verse 6, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The penalty for non-compliance. It wasn't the case for some of these sheriffs, counselors, those who were in high places, or for that matter, the people that were in Babylon. It wasn't enough for them to say, if you don't mind, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, king, I will, I will honor you as king. I am loyal to Babylon, but I would choose not to come out to this dedication. I would choose rather not to bow down before that for my own personal convictions. That was not allowed. That was absolutely banned. And the penalty for non-compliance was death. Was this a serious dedication service? Oh, this was serious, all right, because this was at the very heart of what was going on inspired by Satan himself. And it was a way 
of bringing all the people together. And there was going to be unity one way or another. And if you didn't comply, you are going to face the consequences of that. Friends, we are facing the very thing today in front of our eyes, in our land, in our nation, that if we do not bow down to the government edicts of all that's going on, we have faced already and dealt with conversion therapy. We have dealt with the error of transgenderism and homosexuality. We have dealt with these things, and society is being molded into one form that if we do not bow down at the sound of the music of these edicts that have gone out, then there will be a price to pay. There will be jail time. Friends, we must be aware that we're living in solemn times. And we must be all the more reason for our prayer. All the more reason for a time of national prayer today. And oh, that God would stir up the hearts of His people across this nation. Not from our small denomination or body only, but to call together those who are truly faithful followers of Christ. Not to bow down and capitulate not to give in to the threats. Because there is coming a point in time very, very quickly when all the governments of this world under the authority and power of satanic purpose will bring people as many as they can to get all and whole societies and countries to be bowing at this altar Oh, it has many different forms and ways. You could say it's against bullying. It's against hate, hate speech. Uh, I am a hate speech giver because I take what the Bible says and I proclaim its truth. And the society and governments of our land are opposed to this. And we must, as a people of God, stand firm in our time and not give in Whatever the penalty may be, we must say before God, we will not comply. We want to be those voices that will speak out for truth in our day, in our time. Very sadly, and the final point I leave with you here is that there was the submission of the people. We find it in verse 7. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, that all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar the king that he had set up. And my dear friends, this is a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. For when he comes, he will demand absolute, undivided worship. And those who will not give it, it will be death. I'm thankful tonight, friends, that we have a God that is greater for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we near not, need not fear the face of men. 
And with God's Spirit in us, we will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We will go forward in Him and with His strength. And as Christians, we must be aware of the war against the Bible and all that God calls is good, the devil calls evil. We must know that this world and all its systems, they're no friend to believers. And ultimately, the worship of anything other other than the idolatry and the images of this world It will come at a cost and a price. And I want to say today to you, to take courage, believer. Be not fearful, but to stand in the strength of our God and that we might have that courage because all the forces that would be against the church, yet the church is the church militant and victorious. And we are going forward on the charges of the authority of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need not fear. There will be trouble. There will be persecution. There will be suffering. And there will be death. But in Christ today, we have the victory. And let us therefore live in the light of that and in the joy of it, and going forward in His peace and in His strength. May God bless you and write His Word upon your heart. And friend, if you're here or listening online and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer yet, young person, you haven't sealed that matter yet with Christ, don't waste another moment. Come to Christ now. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. He will save you. He will keep you in the center of His perfect will and take you home to be with Him forever. We'll bow, please, in prayer. Dear Father, tonight I pray that You would take Your holy Word and write it upon our hearts and teach us, Lord, from it. And I pray that you would bless every believer here, everyone watching online. Oh, God, (coughs) strengthen us with might in the inner man. Save some soul tonight, young or old. Lord, do that great saving work, we pray. So part us in your fear, with your blessing. May this incoming week be a week of great rejoicing, a week of thanksgiving and praise. No matter what comes, Lord, that we will do Your holy work. We ask tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.